In the realm of iconic action movies, few characters have achieved the legendary status of John Rambo. The name itself evokes the images of a relentless warrior, a solitary figure pushed to his limits, an embodiment of pure adrenaline-fueled heroism. At the heart of his enduring legacy lies this 80s flick sequel that propelled the franchise to new heights. While the first film introduced audiences to the tormented veteran struggling to readjust to civilian life, the sequel thrust Rambo back into the heat of battle as a one-man army risking his life to rescue forgotten prisoners of war from a Vietnam camp and their Russian allies. So grab your red headband, your custom-made survival knife, and your explosive arrowheads as Jerry D and I discuss Rambo First Blood Part 2 on this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. They sent him on a mission. Under no circumstances are you to engage the enemy. They set him up to fail. You're the one who's making the mistake. What mistake? Rambo. I'm coming to get you. Stallone is back as Rambo. First Blood, Part 2. Rated R. Hello, movie viewers and movie lovers. My name is Tim Williams, the creator and host of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. On each episode, I'm joined by an 80s Flick-loving guest co-host to talk about one of the great and sometimes not-so-great movies from the 1980s. From blockbusters to cult classics to lesser-known treasures we discovered on cable TV or the now-defunct video rental stores from our childhood. No matter which 80s flick we choose for each episode, we have a lot of fun sharing first-time watch memories, discussing our favorite iconic scenes, and even learning some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and follow 80s Flick Flashback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And while you're there, leave us a stellar written review and a five-star rating. You can also support the show by following us on our social media pages. Just search for 80s Flick Flashback on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And don't forget to check out our website, 80sflickflashback.com as well. If you want to take your support to the next level, you can become a financial partner for less than $10 a month. The link to financially support the podcast is located in our episode show notes. And while you're there, be sure to check out more fun facts and behind-the-scenes trivia we just weren't able to fit into today's episode. Thanks for listening. Now, on with the show. Well, welcome in, everybody. So glad to have you here on this episode. We're continuing our Summer of Sequels series, the Triple S, uh, as I like to call it. Uh, we've already done... Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, European Vacation, and now the one I'm probably the most excited about, not just because of who my co-host is, but the action movie of all action movies of the 80s that set the tone for what was to come. You know it. You love it. Rambo First Blood Part 2. And joining in the fun on the conversation from a podcast that would that this movie would definitely not be on, but he loves it anyway, from Totally Rad Christmas, Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy, it's Jerry D. How you doing, Jerry? <laughs> that's a great intro uh i'm great tim and yeah this definitely doesn't make the cut no this is like 
maybe a Patreon episode somewhere. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just <laughs> you're right. This is like the quintessential action flick of the yeah, 80s, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just it's so good. Uh the first one does have Christmas, and I know I was supposed right. to be on that and right. uh illness and whatnot. Yeah, it just yeah. kind of kept us uh, but this one is like they took all the stuff from the first and amped it up to like oh, yeah. you know, eleven and oh, yeah. it it slays. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just jump right in. So when did you see Rambo First Blood Part Two for the very first time? So it was in the eighties. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it in the theater, but I remember watching it on TV. Mm-hmm. So it might have been a couple of years later because this came out, what, I think, 85. 85, so yeah. It, it might have been like 87, 88-ish. Mm-hmm. I think when part three was going to come out and okay. they started showing it on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when I first saw it. And then I've seen it off and on over the years. Mm-hmm. It's It's got everything. And it's actually because of this one that the cartoon was made. And I was right, super into the right. cartoon. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, that, yeah, and, and the toys, and I had the toys. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. this was like, yeah, it was it was definitely like, I'd say mid to late eighties when I actually saw it first. Okay. Yeah. This is one that I actually saw in the theater and I have a memory of this one because, and you know, this came out in May, but it was Mm -hmm. probably a couple of weeks after it had been out. Cause I remember it was summer cause it was during the day. Oh, okay. My mom, it was me and a friend of mine. And then my mom, I don't think it was my friend's mom, but like somebody, one of her friends, they wanted to go see Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And I wanted to see Rambo. So back in the day when you could go to the theater and my parents, you know, they bought us R-rated movie tickets because they were old enough. (laughs) Because it was the 80s. Right. And they they let us go to one theater and watch Rambo. And they were in another theater watching Mad Max. But there was, you know, a little bit of time difference. So we saw all of Rambo. And then when our movie was over, we walked over to their theater. And I watched like the last 20 minutes of Beyond Thunderdome. Had no idea what was going on. So that... (laughs) That is so emblazoned in my mind that, you know, I remember I remember watching it in the theater and then I remember going and trying to find my mom in the theater when the movie had already started and sitting watching the end of a movie that I had no idea what was going on. So, well, if it makes you feel better, I've seen the whole thing straight through and I still don't know what's going on. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I rewatched it a couple of years ago and I was like, this movie is so weird. Yeah, but, but yeah. it's so iconic because of, teen, you know, the late great Turner, Turner. Yeah. So and, uh, Master Blaster. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh yeah, so we'll 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 hit the Mad Max movies eventually, but but yeah, but I remember seeing this in the theater and just you know, so eighty five, I would have been ten years old, nice, almost eleven. So it was everything I wanted it to be and more, mm-hmm. you know, blowing up a guy with a with a with an arrow and you know all that just just total action with, you know, no rhyme or reason. I mean, watching it now, there's so many things like, there's no way that would, that would happen. Like it's so, it's so outrageous, <laughs> but as a kid, it was like everything I wanted to be. So. Well, was, and I feel like that's how it needs to be seen. Like on a yeah. big screen. You oh know? yeah. For like, sure. I bet it was awesome. I would have loved to have seen this in the yeah. theaters. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. I remember watching it on TV and just being blown away. And it mm-hmm. was, I mean, he was just <laughs> demolishing <laughs> folks left and right yeah. you know just oh, yeah, yeah. uh like he would have been killed like a million times over but <laughs> but you know it's it's sylvester stallone yeah, he's john yeah. j rambo right and the first one is so iconic like he mm-hmm. really got into that character and it's almost like a character study yeah. on ptsd and yeah. you get into this one and it's just you know just explosions mm-hmm. and guns and oh, yeah. like this needs 
a big screen. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. They went yeah. for it for sure. You know, every once in a while, the movie theaters do like a re, they'll, you know, put a, bring an oldie back and put on the screen. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen this one pop up too much. Yeah, re-release. But if they ever put on the big screen, I would like to see this one, like with, you know, digitally remastered with mm-hmm. a new soundtrack and, you know, the, the explosions and everything else. It would probably be a lot of fun to see on the big screen. So I me agree. watching it today uh, or yesterday, it was still a lot of fun. Even on my TV, it was still enjoyable. But yeah, right. I, would, I would definitely love to see it in the theater again. So. So uh, how long has it been since you watched it before we watching it for the podcast? <laughs> so, funnily enough, I was actually watching this one about a month and a half ago. Oh, okay. So I, I had surgery and right. during my recovery, mm-hmm. I was pretty much just lying there. I'd have to get up and walk around <laughs> a little bit, you know, just to, to get my muscles, stay, mm-hmm. you know, keep them in shape. But I was just, it was me home alone. Everybody was at school. My wife mm-hmm. was at work. And so I was just watching like all sorts of just <laughs> 80s movie you know mm-hmm. action flicks uh just everything mm-hmm. and so this one i watched just for the heck of it and right then I, right you posted on it i was like uh, yes i just saw that let's do this <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect yeah so, yeah yeah just for fun was about a month and a half ago mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i've i've watched it a couple of times i mean it'd been a while but when you know they've done a couple of sequels, of course, that we Rambo three, which came out in the eighties, and then right. you know, it was a couple, it was a while later before he did four, mm-hmm. and then five, I think, was the last one they did. It was like maybe three or four years ago. When yeah, that came it was out. pretty pretty recent. Yeah. So whenever that you know got released to digital, they had like all you got. It was like a deal for the full the whole pack, like all five of them together. Oh with right, the, right, with the director's cut of the last one, which I had heard, which was which I actually heard was better than the theatrical cut. And so it was a real cheap deal. It was like 20 bucks. I was like, I can't pass up five Rambo movies for 20 bucks. So, so I bought <laughs> no. it then. And then I just went back and I was like, I'm going to watch all of them before I watch the new one. Cause the, the newest one was the only one I hadn't seen yet. So, oh, right, right. Uh, so I, and I want to say it was like on a, it was during the summer. Cause I remember I was watching Rambo three while I was putting a new grill that I'd bought. I was putting together to grill out. So it was definitely like early summer when it came out. And so like that weekend, I I just watched like Friday night. I watched first blood and Saturday morning. I watched, you know, Rambo first, first blood part two. And then that afternoon I was putting stuff together. I watched the third one. So I kind of stretched it over over the weekend. So, um, so yeah, so it was fun to go back and watch it again this weekend because it had been a couple of years. So it was still a little fresh in my mind, but it was still fun to go back and watch. Mm -hmm. And then just certain, certain scenes that I remembered, I was looking forward to once I got it. So I was like, Ooh, this is the part when this happens. Ooh, this is the part when mm-hmm. this happens and getting excited about it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and this is that kind of movie that you can do that with. You oh, know, yeah, there's yeah. not a lot of movies that, that you're you're just excited for this mm-hmm. particular scene. Mm-hmm. And this one, like the boats, when they're on the boat, yeah, that's yeah. that's like next level. That the helicopters, and of course we'll get into it in mm-hmm. a little bit when we get into your segments. But like yeah. you know, those are things that stand out in your mind. And especially as a kid watching mm-hmm. these things and seeing this guy just take on armies. I mean, you feel powerful and you're like, yeah. man, I want to, I want to, I can do that. I can right, rescue right. some folks. You know? Exactly. <laughs> Cause you're a exactly. kid and you don't know any better. Right. But... <laughs> right. Exactly. I know yeah. nothing about the political overtones of this movie whatsoever. Right. I have yeah. no idea what Troutman yep. and Murdoch are talking about. Co- completely, completely over my, my head. head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it didn't matter. It just get back to the fighting. Put yeah. more people up. Let's do that part. So. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about story origin and pre-production. Of course, this being a sequel, there's, there's some interesting things I didn't really know about the movie. So I thought this was pretty, pretty interesting. So of course, the sequel to First Blood was set in motion in 1983 when Carol Co. Pictures 
sold the film's foreign distribution rights to distributors in Japan and Europe. It was originally slated for release in December of 84, but it was later rescheduled for August 1st, 1985, which still came out earlier than that. The mm-hmm. producers had plans to introduce a partner for Rambo in the POW rescue mission and actually suggested John Travolta for the role, but Stallone turned down the idea. <laughs> Can you imagine a buddy I cop kind of thing? I with don't the... want to imagine. I don't. I don't. Stallone and Travolta. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I read this in another other part that Travolta really wanted to work with Stallone like in a, in a movie because... He had directed him in Staying Alive, I think, or Saturday Night Fever, one of the two of those. Like, I don't I always get them. Staying Alive. Staying yeah. Alive. Yeah. I, was the like, sequel I was, to, yeah. Yeah. I always get them mixed up which one he was, he did. Um, so he really wanted to do the movie with Stallone, but. Well, uh, and he was actually one of the ones considered for Rambo originally. In the first one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yes, yeah, so it was, it was all there. It was, it was there for the taking. And it was like, nah, let's not do it. But I think in some other things I saw, like this one says Stallone didn't want him, but. I saw some of the interviews where like they were like they were the producers really wanted to make it a solo. They didn't really want mm. to have necessarily a partner. They just thought that wasn't this wasn't the right move for that. And which I, right. I agree. Uh, and we'll get into like what that character was kind of kind of be in some of the early earlier drafts. So go ahead. Can you imagine in like an alternate universe somewhere <laughs> we have Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. And we have John Travolta as John J. Rambo. <laughs> That's. That blows my totally mind. Totally different man. movie. Yeah. Totally different right. movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man. Whew. Okay. Come back to reality. I don't want to, I don't want to live in that. I don't want <laughs> yeah, to live in that. Live in that. <laughs> Selleck, I, I don't mind as much, but yeah. Yeah. yeah Travolta yeah. Rambo is just, that's a weird choice. Yeah. So up and coming. <laughs> Sorry to be real. <laughs> no, you're good. Up and coming screenwriter, Kevin Jar. Kevin Jar Jare, I don't know how to say his the same. Kevin Jare had written a story treatment that was liked by both the producers and Stallone. He later recalled an interview in the documentary Tinsel, the lost movie about Hollywood. This is what he said. He said, I wrote a first draft of Rambo and I just did it. I was living on dog food at the time and I needed a gig and I wanted to finish a spec script I was writing. And, you know, they called Stallone called me in and they had this idea about what they want to do in the sequel to First Blood. And I said, well, how about if maybe he searches for POWs in Southeast Asia and back in Vietnam? Stallone said, great, let's do it. <laughs> and that's how it that's. That's how it got gets got started. So, so he did the basic the basic the, the spec strip with the you know general idea. Mm-hmm. So then they had this guy they'd heard about you know a pretty good filmmaker supposedly, but James Cameron. Uh, they <laughs> never yeah, heard of him. Never no, heard of no, him. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if he did anything <laughs> after the eighties. He had a couple couple movies then. No, so they hired him to write the first draft of the screenplay because he was working on Terminator and Aliens as well. So nice. I think uh, when Arnold was. They had to, I, I didn't put this here, but basically Arnold had, they had to delay the Terminator because Arnold had signed on to do the sequel for Conan. Oh, right, so it, right. it got, the it got delayed. Yeah. yeah. It got delayed. Mm-hmm. So he had time to work on other projects. So that's kind of when this was going on. Uh, David Geiler, who did some uncredited script work on the first film, recommended James Cameron. Cameron's draft was titled First Blood 2, The Mission. I love that. First Blood 2. The, the mission. mission. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> What's the mission? <laughs> right, right. Although it had the same basic structure as the first film, it was more violent. Stallone decided he wanted the series to be named after the lead character, just like the Rocky series. So he retitled it Rambo First Blood Part 2, so he could name the third film Rambo 3 instead of First Blood 3. So it's all Stallone's fault why it makes no sense how Which, it's numbered. 
you know, you hear stories about Stallone all the time and, and yeah. uh, his demands and, uh, you know, not quite diva attitude, but a lot right. of it is very just centered around himself mm-hmm. and, and very mm-hmm. focused on him and yeah. his characters, you know, like where um, Cobra, when he did Cobra mm-hmm. and he, he talked to the author and wanted the author to take his name off of the book that he wrote <laughs> that the movie's based on so that he could put his name as the author, you know, stuff like that. Stallone, yeah. I mean, that's that's like a lot of ego. So it makes sense that he would want to call it Rambo mm-hmm. instead of first blood. Yeah. He's uh, kind of just although, dist- dist- distancing the character from the book even more. Right. Than it was. Yeah, for right. sure. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've heard it. He's talked about more recently where he said, he's done interviews. He said, you know, I look back at my career, especially like during that time, like the mid eighties, he was like, I was such a jerk to people. Like he, mm-hmm. he really regrets a lot of his behavior you know you're making millions of millions of dollars and you're in high demand you think you can do whatever you want treat people however you want he regrets a lot of it now so at least he learned his lesson which i think is good right so cameron claims that he only wrote the first draft of the script and that sylvester stallone made many changes to it so in cameron's script he originally paired rambo with a humorous sidekick which i'm assuming was the Mm -hmm. travolta character travolta yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and flesh and had fleshed out the prisoners of war with elaborate backstories that were to be revealed over the course of the film Stallone reportedly didn't like the sidekick got all the cool dialogue and also scrapped most of the POW's backstories to the point where Cameron claimed that they, quote, might as well have gotten to the jungle to pick up a six pack of beer, unquote. (laughs) When the film. Yeah, (laughs) that's another thing that he he likes to rewrite whatever it is that he's working. He's like Paul Hogan. They they do the Mm -hmm. same things, you know. Yeah. Um, but then that way they can get paid as first story credit as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Stallone's case, I don't think it's about the money as much as it is about just cre- you know control and mm-hmm. like you said, kind mm-hmm. of ego back then. Yeah. But <laughs> he he tends to do that where he'll just wipe out a bunch of stuff. He was in that movie, um, The Specialist, with James right. Woods. Right. And he like cut James Woods' characters so far down mm-hmm. because he didn't want to be out acted mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that he rewrote this script, but. Still, you're like, what? And it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. I love oh, yeah, this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, what could it have been if we had gotten mm-hmm. this more elaborate, you know, oh, backstories yeah. and really started to feel for these other characters, too? Mm-hmm. But, oh, well. Yeah. I, really... I like explosions. So oh, yeah, I... yeah. Cause, yeah. Because <laughs> watching it now, you really don't know that much about the POWs. I mean, no. they're, you still feel bad for them, but I mean, there could have been more, a more grounded story or more emotional connection to them mm-hmm. than just here they are, you know, kind of a thing. So, right. Uh, right. So when the film was released, the political content of the movie was considered controversial with many feeling that the Vietnam war was altered to look and sound heroic. Cameron commented that he only wrote the action and Stallone wrote the politics. Uh, Jare received sole story credit while Stallone and Cameron were credited for the screenplay. The author of the original first blood novel, David Morrell gets a based on characters by credit and was also contracted to write the novelization tie-in for the film as well. And I think we mm-hmm. talked a little bit about that in our first Blood episode, me and Laramie, about how, you know, of course, Rambo dies in the end of the book, the end, but, he, right. but he lived. And then even when he wrote, he he wrote a sequel for the, for the book, separate from the tie-in, where he was like, Rambo's still alive because the movie became so popular. So, right. you know, he, even he knew. Rambo has well, to live. <laughs> and I want to say that he, he thought that it was a better ending. At, yeah, at he end. did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was a big, he was a big fan of what the movie, I mean, there were some, you know, some things he agreed with, some things he didn't, but overall right, he, he right. liked the, the film version. I don't blame him. I mean, the yeah. first blood 
is it really is as i mentioned it's like a character study it's Mm -hmm. you're with this guy who's just he's kind of slowly pushed over the edge and then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden he snaps and you're Mm -hmm. he just wants to be left alone he wants to fit in just everything and you know in the book he's a little more wild and feral Mm -hmm. and a little more cutthroats yeah brutal is a good word yeah you know he just he goes for it and so he is almost like a a feral animal that has to be put down Mm -hmm. but the the movie really humanizes him right and this movie i feel kind of builds on that Mm -hmm. with his relationship with kobao right they right together you know he you almost see him open up he's he's uh, more vulnerable Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it really you start to kind of see his character and then of course looking over the last few movies you're you're realize that oh there is more to this guy than, mm-hmm. than just you know a pow or someone that's right and so, right right yeah. yeah i would say he definitely developed the character more as in the other sequels rambo mm-hmm. 3 probably not as much but the the later ones he really wanted to be i think stallone wanted to give him a little bit more of a character than just what was there in the original right. movies so and now these messages What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads. If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooge, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas Special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gag Me With The Spoon, The Other Half of the Battle, and Chant With The Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes. Hey, everybody. Do you ever just sit around with your friends and reminisce about the days and how things used to be when you were a kid or a teenager or maybe even a young adult? The TV shows and the movies that you watched at the time and how things just aren't quite the same today? Well, let me tell you, I've got the place for you. My name is Chris Adams, and I'm the host of the podcast Retro Life for You. And here at Retro Life for You, we talk about and discuss movies and TV that is retro. And we are going back from the 80s and the 90s and into the 2000s. Hey, sometimes we might even touch back to the 70s if we're feeling good. If this is for you, make sure you look for us on everywhere that you can find your podcast at. Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google, Stitcher, or hosted on Anchor FM. And make sure you follow us on all the major networks and leave us a rating and a review. It really does help. Look forward to hearing from you. Welcome to the Summer of Superman. Get ready for an electrifying journey through the iconic tale that shook the world of superheroes three decades ago. Moving Panels presents a special series dedicated to the monumental event that changed the course of comic book history, the death and return of Superman. Join us as we dive deep into the pages of one of the most impactful stories ever told, exploring the Man of Steel's ultimate sacrifice and his triumphant resurrection. 
But that's just the beginning. Experience the thrilling animated movies, The Death of Superman and Reign of the Superman that brought this epic story to life on the screen. In each episode, we will dissect every chapter, dissecting the emotions and going behind the scenes of this unforgettable saga and its animated counterparts. From the impact on Superman's friends and allies to the worldwide mourning that ensued, moving panels will leave no stone unturned, delivering a comprehensive exploration of this milestone in comic book history. So grab your cape and join us this summer for the Summer of Superman on Moving Panels, where we honor the 30th anniversary of the death and return of Superman, episode by episode, reliving the awe, the heartache, and the undying legacy of the man who inspired millions. Don't miss a single installment of this thrilling podcast event. Subscribe now to Moving Panels on your favorite podcast platform and be a part of the Summer of Superman. So this uh, Stallone talking about Cameron, we're, we're moving out of this, the pre-production stuff, but uh, Stallone said, I think James Cameron is a brilliant, brilliant talent, but I thought the politics were important, such as the right wing stance coming from Troutman and his nemesis Murdoch contrasted by Rambo's obvious neutrality, which I believe is explained in Rambo's final speech, which is its own, you know, meme, I guess. Uh, <laughs> he said, I realize his speech at the end may have caused millions of viewers to burst veins in their eyeballs by rolling them excessively. <laughs> But the sentiment stated was conveyed to me by many veterans, which I probably I I, I think that's probably true. I, I and I think I think you're right. Yeah. And watching it now mm-hmm. as an adult, I I get it. But like as a kid, you're just like you you believed every word. You know? Oh you, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Right. It's yeah. like it's like the the ending speech from Rocky Four. Like if I can change and you can <laughs> change, you can change, and change, yeah. can change. It's like wait a minute, did Rocky just end communism? Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> he brought world peace and so it's like it felt like that kind of a speech it, i thought that was that was funny that even stallone who wrote the script was like yeah that speech was pretty cheesy and i know it was cheesy but he was trying you know much like his final his his final monologue at the end of first blood he used real stories from veterans mm-hmm. that he had talked to in researching the role so he felt like that was important that veterans had a voice even in this cartoon like you know mm-hmm. uh ultra violent very unrealistic movie but still to like give some kind of groundedness or some some love to the veterans of the vietnam war so which i thought was right. you know which was good which is pretty much what the movie's about yeah well yeah you yeah. know i mean and the first one is too but you mm-hmm. know that's more about like them readjusting where right and at the right. end he's like you know we just want this country to love us as much mm-hmm. as we love this country i right. mean that's that's yeah huge right as there. Che- you know? <laughs> as cheesy as it sounds, it's still a it's still a it's still a true sentiment. I mean, I, you exactly. can't say that's not what they they would want. So for sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So moving along. So director George P. Cosmatos was hired after Sylvester Stallone's son Sage saw his film of unknown origin that came out in 1983. So he recommended his works. So that's how he got he got the job. So I want to talk a little bit about the director. Uh, he is of Greek and Italian descent, and he began his career with drama films in his home country, including Massacre in Rome, featuring Richard Burton. He oh, later wow. shifted. Yeah, he later shifted his focus to mainstream blockbuster action and adventure films, such as The Cassandra Crossing and Escape to Athena, both of which were British Italian co-productions. Then, moving to North America, he directed the horror film of unknown origin, which got him the job for this, uh, which got him to Rambo First Blood Part 2 and Cobra, both starring Cobra. Sylvester yep. Stallone. 
Then he did the science fiction horror film Leviathan in the 90s and the critically acclaimed Western Tombstone, which Mm. is my all time favorite Western for sure. Is yeah, yeah, that's an amazing one right there. Yeah. So I didn't see it as much in my research for this one, but I want to say that, and I think for Tombstone, Stallone is the one that recommended him to direct Tombstone because they fired the original director, which was Jafari, uh, Jafari, whatever his name is, the the screenwriter of this one. So he was the, he was the original director for Tombstone and then, and Kurt Russell was like, it's not working out. And so he called Stallone and says, well, why don't you use, you know, Cosmatos and Cosmatos came in, but then there's other stories that said, well, Cosmatos was there by name only. And Kurt Russell pretty much directed all of Tombstone. Which I can they, believe that too. Which they said <laughs> Stallone was known for doing as well. Like he, mm-hmm. that he direct, you know, cause he's a director. He was very involved. So it's like, I, I, for both of these movies, like, well, how much of this was Los Cosmatos and how much was Stallone? And I'm sure it's probably a good mix of both. So. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Um, especially when you, you look at some of his other work, but mm-hmm. Stallone it, is very hands on and mm-hmm. apparently he is kind of hard to direct sometimes, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, I, it wouldn't, <laughs> I, I'd believe it. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. If it totally was mostly Stallone directing this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So Cobra, Cosmatos yeah. wanted to, well, yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Cobra again later. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cosmatos wanted to shoot the movie in Thailand, which he felt would be a better substitute for Vietnam where most of the mm-hmm. movie is set, but instead they ended up shooting the movie in Acapulco, Mexico. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mexico. So, yeah. The original director of photography fell ill shortly before filming began and the producers were in a panic to find a last minute replacement who was willing to travel to Mexico as sheer look would ha- I'm sorry, as sheer luck would have it actor, Stephen Burkhoff discovered in a phone call to a mutual friend that legendary British director of photography, Jack Cardiff happened to be on vacation close by at the time. He mentioned to Stallone who jumped at the chance to get the Oscar winning 70 year old veteran on board and hurriedly brought it to the attention of the producer and then contacted him. Cardiff was initially reluctant to accept the job, as he had just finished work on Stephen King's film adaptation of Cat's Eye and was only intending to have a quiet vacation before returning home to the UK. But Stallone's persistence and substantial fee for six weeks worth of work proved too much of a temptation. <laughs> so money talks. Money <laughs> it always does. Yeah. Always does, yeah. So. Well, and like to go from Cat's Eye, which you think about it compared to this film i mean yeah. it's almost like an indie film you know oh yeah <laughs> you know oh I mean? for sure yeah so to go from that to like this big huge blockbuster mm-hmm. i mean yeah you gotta you gotta do it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah he was already there i mean i'm gonna be in, <laughs> that's I'm right stay, yeah must like I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay in acapulco for six more weeks what's what's the problem with that <laughs> but i know it was like crazy hot i know it yes. was like, like 120, 120 degrees, degrees yeah i saw something that like that which you know, like here, we're supposed to get up to 110 uh, on Wednesday, but the humidity there is a lot worse oh, than it is sure. here. So yeah, yeah. even though it's humid here, it's it's nothing compared to down there. So yeah, those guys were, I mean, it was awful. Yeah. And and I feel bad for them, but it, they, it, I believed it as a, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I thought it was a very acceptable substitute yeah. for, yeah. for Vietnam. So yeah. I, I mean, I've never been, so right. I, I'm, it's like, like, like we know, <laughs> so it might not yeah. be, but it works for me. Yeah. <laughs> but it worked for me exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I love all the scenes of Murdoch. He's always sweating through his shirt. Like, yeah, there's always is. sweat stains. Yeah. He's always standing in front of the fan. Like, it's like, 
Arnie's like, I'm like, with your accent, weren't you from Texas? Weren't you supposed to be used to this kind of heat? But you're right, dry <laughs> heat's different than humidity. But yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'd read that 120 degrees. It's like, that's ridiculous. All right, so let's talk a little bit about casting. Uh, we're not going to talk much about Sylvester Stallone and Richard Crenna because we covered them pretty extensively in First Blood. So if you want to hear right. their kind of filmography and their how they got in the business, you can check out that episode. Yep. Great episode. Uh, Go check it out for yeah, sure. Appreciate it. So, But I will say to prepare for this role, Sylvester Stallone did eight weeks of training for four hours a day. He also took SWAT camp combat archery and survival courses. So I was watching one of the behind the scenes features and it showed him doing the archery, like for real, you know, getting bullseyes with the bow and arrow and nice. doing stuff with the, you know, he was training with different people for like some of his fighting skills. I thought it was good, you know, Hey, at least, at least and he said, I think it was an interview. He said that um, they had military advisor or tech advisors were some of them were Vietnam veterans. He's like, I want them to keep me honest and tell me like, you know, mm-hmm. what looks, you know, even though it's fantasy, like, somewhat grounded in the, the yeah. combat the 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 combat that I'm doing and the fighting styles and stuff um which I thought was was pretty good the editors were talking about talk about Stallone once again being a, a major part of the movie uh he was in the editing so they said all the shots of him shooting the arrow they had cut it to be very quick like as soon as he lets go of the arrow there'd be an explosion and Stallone came in and was like no you've got to have arrow flying time. And that's what they call, they call it the arrow flying time. You've got to give a beat of time for people to know that the arrow has, if he's supposed to be like a hundred yards away, it's not going right. to blow up immediately. So he said, we had to change the timing of the explosions because Stallone was like, no, it's got to be real. There's got to be time for the arrow to make it where it's going, which I was like, it's pretty smart. <laughs> well, and I know that they use like wire, you they know, did. like fish, fishing line to yeah, make sure to make that the sure. arrows, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is smart nowadays mm-hmm. they just cg everything oh, you know course. it's all computers yeah. but i mean that's like that's clever mm-hmm. you know back then you had to be you just you had to be excellent at your mm-hmm. craft you know mm-hmm. and, and that's what i love and you can feel that you can feel the practical effects in all of this film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh it's yeah just, yeah it's great real, real explosions all that kind of good stuff <laughs> oh yeah all right, so there's not a lot of cast to go over, which I'm thankful because I've had episodes that go like two hours long because I got 20 <laughs> people to talk cast, about. Yeah. yeah, this one's pretty short, so we'll get through it pretty quick. But uh, so we got Charles Napier as Major Marshal Roger T. Murdoch. Murdoch. Uh, yep, Murdoch coming for you. Coming uh, for you. <laughs> I can't do it. Oh, no. uh, so he's an American character actor known for playing supporting and occasional leading roles in TV and film. He was frequently cast as police officers, mm-hmm. soldiers, or authority figures, many of them villainous or corrupt. After leaving his Kentucky hometown to serve in the Army, he graduated from college and worked as a sports coach and art teacher before settling on acting as a career. Napier established himself as a, in character roles and worked steadily for the next 35 years. He made numerous collaborations with director Jonathan Demme, including roles in Something Wild in 86, Married to the Mob in 88, The Signs of the Lambs in 91, Philadelphia in 93, Beloved in 98, and The Manchurian Candidate in 2004. Other notable roles include the short-tempered country singer Tucker McElroy in the Blues Brothers. <laughs> Blues Brothers, that's yep. where I know it from. Yep. <laughs> and gruff Army Commander Gilmore in Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. So, uh, that was good. <laughs> yeah, baby. Something like that. I <laughs> yeah. think that's what he says. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Lee Marvin, previously considered for the role of Colonel Troutman in the first movie, declined the role of Murdoch, which was eventually given to Charles Napier. So they still tried to get uh, Lee Marvin in the movie, but 
Murdoch is so good. He, he's just yeah. a bureaucrat, you know, uh, totally uh, yeah. character. And, and you know, <laughs> so I think this was actually kind of grounded in reality. I think there were actually yes. some yep. know, POWs over there and mm-hmm. Congress and the whole thing about yep. we want proof and send mm-hmm. people over. So, I mean, that's kind of cool. But no, no, Charles Napier, I mean, Napier is like character actor extraordinary mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. and yeah i remembered him most as uh you know from the blues brothers yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so good great role great mm-hmm. role all right so next on the list we got steven burkhoff as lieutenant colonel sergey t Podovsky. that's the most russian name that i've heard probably uh, <laughs> as a film actor he's known for his performances in villainous roles including the portrayals of general orloff in the james bond movie octopussy from 1983 of course, he was Victor Maitland in Beverly Hills Cop in 84, <laughs> and he played Adolf Hitler in the TV miniseries War and Remembrance in 88 and 89. That went from 88 to 89. Uh, so here we go back to our, our other, my only other Cobra fact. So Beverly Hills Cop, which he was Victor Maitland in, mm-hmm. was originally developed with Sylvester Stallone in the lead role. Stallone's version of Beverly Hills Cop was subsequently reworked to become the film Cobra, Stallone's follow-up collaboration with director george p cosmatas after this film so <laughs> i don't i don't know if uh if sylvester stallone could have done the victor maitland gave me her right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. probably would be simplex yeah. 10 yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. a there's a couple of parts of that movie i don't see stallone stallone no. doing so i fall off into a banana in your tailpipe uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah not so much but I, I love this guy. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's another guy. You look at him and you're just like, ooh, 80s, yeah. 80s sleazebag. And his character, Podovsky, is actually mm-hmm. um, the model for General Warhawk in Rambo Forces of Freedom cartoon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it was funny because when he first, the first scene when he's doing the torture scene, I was looking. I was like, I know I've seen this guy before. And I was yeah. like, this isn't the same bad guy from Indiana because I was just in Indiana Jones. And I was like, that's not... uh Baylock from the first uh from Raiders is like, no, they're similar, but it's not the same mm-hmm. guy. So when I saw he was Victor Maitland, I was like, that's who I that's where I remember him from. <laughs> yeah. um, had to be a bad guy. So uh I thought this was great. Dolph Lundgren was initially signed as the Russian lieutenant, but when Sylvester Stone realized that it was the same guy who was going to be in Rocky Four, they paid off his contract and said, Sorry, you can't be in both of my movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least he got paid, right? Oh, so, yeah, sure. <laughs> so yeah. there's that get paid for for no work hey i'll yeah. take it yeah he probably didn't want to get typecast as a russian which he still got typecast anyway he still even did. After I mean, it, yeah it was, it was really hard for him to mm-hmm. i mean he did what masters of the universe and then like a bunch of just like b-level yeah. action movies or was it red scorpion i mean he, there was a couple like direct-to-video yeah. movies he did like in the early 90s i remember i watched a couple he was the yeah. punisher and oh man yeah totally yeah, yeah. All right, and then we've got Julia Nixon as Agent Ko Bao. During her time at the University of Hawaii, Nixon pursued modeling in Honolulu and also got her start in the world of acting with her appearance in The Winter's Tale. After honing her skills through acting classes, community theater, she got roles on Magnum P.I. and landed her breakthrough role as the female lead in Rambo First Blood Part Two. She also starred alongside Chuck Norris in Sidekicks in 92 and has appeared in other films such as Glitch in 88, China Cry in 91, K2 in 92, and Double Dragon in 94. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
So. That's another one of those movies that's it's enjoyable to watch, but it's <laughs> terrible. Terrible, yeah. <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I think I watched I think I watched it a couple it was another podcast I listened to was talking about it and I was like as they were talking about it, I was like, I thought I'd seen this, but the more they talked, I was like, maybe I never saw this movie. And so I found it and I watched it. I was like, I know why I never watched this movie. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so terrible. Yeah, so. you want it to be good, but like yeah. it's just not yeah. And- and I remember playing the game, so I oh, played I love the Double the Dragon arcade game. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, that one was great. Double Dragon Two was mm-hmm. another really good one, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and then the movie was bad. <laughs> but she was good. Her she was good in it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I I always find her like so easy to watch, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, you know I really thought she was a Vietnamese when right. I first saw. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. She did she a good does. Job. Which she does not have an accent. That's all in the in the film. Like she's <laughs> right. perfect, you know, perfectly good English. She's from Hawaii, so uh, which when I saw her name Julia Nixon, I was like, yeah, I don't think she's as as Asian as we think. She is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but she did. She was great in the role. I agree. Uh, so she made some other notable appearances on TV, including a guest spot on the final episode of Sequest twenty thirty two as Lieutenant Commander Heiko Kimura a role that had potentially become a main character if the series had continued. Mm. She also, she also had roles on two Star Trek series, the mm-hmm. next generation and deep space nine. She also played commander Jeffrey Sinclair's love interest in the first season of Babylon five. Oh, wow. He also had a recurring role as Dr. Susan Lee on the television series, Walker, Texas Ranger reuniting her with Chuck Norris and as princess I- Iota the 1989 miniseries version of around the world in 80 days alongside Pierce Brosnan and Eric Idle. So, yeah, so she, she did a lot more than I thought she had. Like she had of, of all the people that I have on the cast, she has probably one of the better, you know, filmographies Mm -hmm. uh, that I was like, I had no idea she was in all those, you know, all those TV shows. I'd gone back and started watching some episodes of Magnum PI like a year or two ago. Uh, I may have to go back and watch because I never watched Magnum PI as a kid. I mean, I had, friends that were big fans of it but it wasn't right. something that I, my parents really watched so i didn't watch it right and, and but i like tom Selleck. i've i mean i've i've become a fan of him as i got older so on one of the like the roku channel or one of the streaming channels they had you know all the seasons so i went back to season one i made it through most of season one it was it was pretty enjoyable i mean it's you know it's it's 80s tv i mean the right. storylines right. are pretty pretty easy to figure out but he's good in it and it's like one of the few, you know, speaking of Vietnam, it's like mm-hmm. one of the few shows that showed like yeah, yeah. people readjusting mm-hmm. successfully, mm-hmm. you know, these vets. And uh, so I always enjoyed that part of it, too. It was like, mm-hmm. wow, these it really is. You know, these guys didn't really. <laughs> I don't want to. OK, let me let me rephrase this. These guys okay. made it. There we go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Like yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Hate myself into a corner there. Yeah, so. let's not do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, they made it and they, mm-hmm. they did it well. Yes, yes. But yeah, good good example of, you know, a Vietnam veteran doing well after the mm-hmm. war, so which was good. Great. So then we got Martin Cove as Michael Reed Erickson. He's of course he's best known as John Kreese. Oh yeah. Karate Cobra Kid. Kai. Yep. Karate Kid two and Cobra and three and Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. Uh he also appeared as Nero the Hero in Death Race 2000 1975, which, <laughs> oh, also, <yeah. laughs> which also had Sylvester Stallone in it. So I thought that was good to remember. Uh he also was Clem and White Line Fever in 75. I haven't seen that one. He was mm-hmm. also regular on the TV series Cagney and Lacey from 1982 to 1988, portraying I police detective that. Victor Isbecki. But, uh, I do remember that. I used to love Cagney and Lacey. My, yeah. my parents did watch that one a lot, so I watched it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah I think that was the reason he got Crease was he was because from his work on uh, Cagney and Lacey. I think you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and then we've got George Chung as Lieutenant Tay. He's a Hong Kong actor and stuntman with an extensive career in American television and film dating back to 1975 often playing Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Vietnamese, and Mongolian parts. And that's just a sad, sad state of Hollywood that just, they can't. I know. <laughs> oh, I, that, it pained me to see that. I was like, I have to share it. But it's like, it, that's that's so bad. You know, we've come a long way. Thank thank goodness. I do um, remember him in uh, Rush Hour, though. I think he's in Rush Hour. Yes. Yep. Like yep. He's the driver, right? I think. Su- Is he the Su- driver? Su Young's driver. He gets killed. Oh yes, I'm thinking of the the guy that kidnaps her, not the driver. Yeah. No, like, no, no. He's like yeah. he's driving her, and yes. then he gets he gets shot. Yeah, yeah, yep. You're right. He yeah. definitely when he when he first popped up was like that guy's been in a bunch of stuff. I know <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. So uh, so here's some of the things he's been in: notable TV ap- appearances in Mash, Fantasy Island, Heart to Heart, MacGyver, Magnum PI, Simon and Simon, Kung Fu: The Legend Continues, The A Team, Knight Rider. Switching genres, How I Met Your Mother, Seinfeld, Martial Law, Walker, Texas Ranger, Nash Bridges, NYPD Blue, ER, The West Wing, and Lost. Wow. That's so a been, that's pretty a big, awesome career. Yeah. 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 <laughs> big shows and movies there. Yep. And then his film career includes Under Siege, Robocop 2, Lethal Weapon 4, as you mentioned, Rush Hour, Starsky and Hutch, and Mongolian Deathworm. Missed that one. Yeah, I don't know that way. I was like, okay, I, I'm really out of the loop yeah. there. I always, always had to throw. I have to always have the one obscure one in the mix just to just to keep us on our toes, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we saw that. Yeah, uh, Nicholas will appreciate that because he's probably that's probably one he's talked about on his podcast. I'm sure. <laughs> I thought this was a cool note. Robert Davy, uh, who we know, uh, was set to star in the movie, but dropped out to star in The Goonies. Mm-hmm. So one I'm, of the Fratellis, yeah. Yep, yep. Which I'm glad he did that. Uh, Me too. Yeah. And, and then uh, another fact that I hate to put on here, but it was just too good not to not to put on here. Since Mexico did not have a large Asian population, less than one percent of the total population, according to Wikipedia, they had to scour all the local Chinese restaurants in order to find extras that could pass as Vietnamese. Oh gosh! And honestly, I only put that in there because I saw it not once. But twice in my in my research it was like, you know, because when I first read, I was like, man, somebody just put that on there just to be funny. And then I saw it in a couple of places. I was like, it's obviously if and oh, and I was watching the what the one of the behind the scenes they talked about in there. It's like I gotta put it there now because it's mm-hmm. it's true. It's true. So yeah. All right. So anybody else from the cast that I might have missed or anybody that stood out that we didn't talk about? I think you hit all of them. Like one of the other main guys would be um uh Yushin, but mm-hmm. He's not really anybody famous that I recognize. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other American uh, with uh, Martin Cove, like the two. Oh, of the, the, um, Lifer is that his name? Yeah, yeah. So he didn't have any kind of. He's been in other stuff, but he had like no nothing on Wikipedia, nothing on IMDb. So I didn't have much to talk about with him. But uh, he's been in other stuff, but there wasn't much of a backstory for him. So that's why I kind of left him off. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is Rambo's movie. It's, I mean. <laughs> It, pretty much there's, yeah there's not much the dollar characters to, to cover all right well let's uh talk about iconic scenes favorite scenes i think there's a few iconic scenes for this one but i'll let you go first what if somebody says rambo first blood part two what's the first scene that you think of for me the very first scene i think of is the boats when they're yeah. on, the, on the river yeah you know and and the they're coming and basically 
they, they're going to turn Rambo over mm-hmm. and he just starts like blowing everybody away. <laughs> but like, you know, it's they're they're hiding the team and co they're they're kind of they've hired this crew to take them um, down the river and mm-hmm. they're trying to blend in and pretend like they're not there. And I, I mean, they, they turn on them. It's mm-hmm. It's suspenseful. And you're like, what's going to happen? How are they going to get out of this? And of course, Rambo being Rambo, he Rambo's it all up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but for me, like as soon as someone says uh, First Blood Part 2, you know, mm-hmm. or Rambo 2, that's what I think of. the Rambo okay. There's a couple of scenes. I think the one that I think stood out to me, maybe because it was kind of one of those scenes as a kid, like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen anything like that is when they raise Rainbow, Rambo out of the sewage. Like that scene oh, after he yeah. gets captured. Like yeah. I remember really being like, first of all, being grossed out by that. Like, because like, <laughs> it's that scene yeah. you see all the, you know, the 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 latrines yeah. dumping into the water and it's just so gross. And then he they pull him up and I was like, oh, and he's got the leeches on him. Yeah. Uh, so that <laughs> that scene, jump. that's one that I, that I tend to think about. And I think uh, this is the movie that first taught me about leeches actually yeah i don't I think, think so. I, I don't think i really yeah. knew what they were I, th- I remember having to ask like what's mm-hmm. that you yeah know? and then I later mean, on we yep. see them in like the great outdoors or something but um yeah or as in uh stand by me i think was the other one that i oh remember. that's right they, they do have it in stand by me yeah. yeah but you're right i think in this one i think i might have i think i did ask that question like what is what is what are leeches and yeah. when i saw that so i have this little fact about that scene so the pig poop infested water that he finds himself submerged in uh was it was no surprise was not actual pig poop water instead they poured copious amounts of instant coffee into the water to achieve the dark and murky look they were going for (laughs) so now i when now when i watch that scene i'm like they're they're basically undipping him out of the coffee ground you know it's like (laughs) i'm sure it smelled better than we thought i mean we think about smell like poop but it's like he smelled like coffee beans. It's like that's pretty not, not a bad. That's not too bad. Yeah, a that's bad a good smell. Be, yeah. So <laughs> thought that was pretty good. But good to know if I want to make muddy looking water, instant coffee will do the trick. So um, also the the helicopters. You know mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. Uh, that's another classic, and I think they even reused some of those helicopters from Red Dawn. They uh, did. Yes, yeah, I did so read that. Yeah, that's you know that's pretty cool as well. Mm-hmm. But that's another one that you're just like whoa. Mm-hmm. Just I always thought the Russian, as a kid. yeah, I always thought the Russian helicopter looked cooler than the American Huey. Agreed. Yeah, yep, a million like percent. All the mus- <laughs> missiles on the side, and just yeah, it, it always looked cooler. Um, well, and this is like an era where helicopters were oh yeah like, huge. You know, yes. we, uh, Airwolf was like, mm-hmm. like really big. Uh, Blue, Thunder. Blue Thunder, yeah, yeah. and I then mean, of course GI just... Joe, the cartoons. They were always being in the in mm-hmm. the choppers. So yep, yeah. So, but I agree, the Russian one just looked way better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another <laughs> iconic scene for me was, of course, him being electrocuted on the bed springs. Oh, yeah. 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 So that scene was was big. Of course, it's been parodied a couple of times now. But, um, <laughs> hot shots. Uh, looking at yeah. you, hot shots. So, um, um, or yeah, UHF I'm, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was well, because I'm going to say, as I was watching this movie yesterday, I was like, I'm having... Like I'm watching the movie, but I'm seeing scenes from Hot Shots Part Two in my head as well. <laughs> yes, and I'm like, I'm gonna have to watch. So today, before we like, I had some time after my notes. I was like, I'm just gonna go ahead and watch it because it was on HBO Max or Max, whatever it's called now. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm gonna watch it. I have not watched that movie in a long time. Yeah, and it was cracking me up. So of course, in Hot Shots Part Two, uh, Richard Crenna, of course, <laughs> reprises his role as Troutman mm-hmm. for the for the so he gets captured. They have him on the on the bed springs. And when they're electrocuting him, 
it starts, he starts popping popcorn and popcorn starts popping out of his body, which I thought was hilarious. So when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to talk about. Well, and it's like, because I think if I think that movie is based off of Rambo three, it's more on Rambo three. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a it's a combination of both. Them yeah, it's, it's like more they Rambo them three together. Yeah, it's more like it's more of Rambo three than the second one, but uh, it's really funny. And I I was a big fan of the first Hot Shots, but I think I'd seen I had not seen the second one as much as I'd seen the first one. Right, and the second one is is really really funny. So, uh, yeah, those are good movies. Yeah. I really just, they're just dumb, dumb humor. Yeah, exactly. Comedy. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what <laughs> oh, I want right. to watch those today. Are, those are good. Yeah. Um and of course the the most classic is when he almost, you know, he, he wants to kill Murdoch, but he doesn't, then he just starts shooting mm-hmm. up all the mm-hmm. all the gear. Computers, another, yeah. 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 The only the only other iconic scene that for me is when he blows up Lieutenant Tay with the bomb arrow. That's <laughs> yeah. that's oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> which is you know those those arrows were awesome yes yes you know, and and i remember they sold you know that they, they sold like bow and arrows and stuff mm-hmm. like that as, mm-hmm. as kids and oh yeah uh, they'd have the little tip but it was like a suction cup and so mm-hmm. i remember playing like we would screw it on you know as if we were making our <laughs> yeah. own little thing and we just you know. oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, even the electrocuted bed springs thing. Like I used to try to do the thing with my fingers to make it look like I was being electrocuted because I'm kind of double jointed. You can't see it on the podcast, but I would, I would make <laughs> my fingers do that, and I would freak other kids. I was like, I'm being electrocuted. You don't see it, and so uh, Ooh, that was man. <laughs> classic. Exactly. That's what we did. That's what we yeah, did. Yeah. That's yeah. Totally All right. Kids. So, so any favorite scenes you wanna you wanna mention? I mean, there's I know I there's mean, a lot. I mean, there's a lot of good action. Oh, I'm sorry. The only other iconic scenes that I have I have to mention because when I saw it yesterday, I was like, "This is where I messed up." Because on the first blood episode, I got when he's taking out the guys one by one, which is said in the special features. They were like, "We basically did that because everybody loved that in the first one, so we had to duplicate it." So they have mm-hmm. all the scenes of him. So, but the scene of the you see the soldier, and then all of a sudden you see Stallone's eye pop up out of the mud. In oh my mind, yeah, I kept, yeah, yeah. I, I, I sometimes think that's in the first movie, but it's in this one. So, right. but that's definitely an iconic scene as a kid that was the coolest thing and every time it rained and we would go play we we lived like by some woods and one of my friends was like every time it rains i'm gonna go find a mud wall i'm gonna do the rambo <laughs> like that was what he wanted to do like there's no way your mom's you're <laughs> you'll you know. be yeah you, you'll be whooped when you get yes home. <laughs> exactly and i i almost did it for this podcast i don't do it very often but there were so many things that i saw in this one that were like inconsistencies or goofs as we'd say so i went on mdb because right. they imdb because i always have the goofs there was so many i was like i can't even mention i can't even start mentioning because there's too many but one <laughs> of the ones was that one because like you have all that rain number one he buries himself in the mud in like 30 seconds and then the very next scene there's no mud on him at all like he got totally immersed in mud killed a guy and then got completely clean next <laughs> and they talked about how it rains for that scene and then the next scene he's going to a field he sets it on fire the grass who had to be there's no way the grass would catch on right, fire would have caught, just, yeah soaking wet so there's some of those little inconsistencies and the only other one that was really big for me we haven't got talked about the end but of course the end when he uses the rocket launcher inside the helicopter, oh the, man, yeah, the back blast of the record rocket launcher would have killed every POW in the that was behind <laughs> him in the helicopter. 
<laughs> it's terrible. But we love this movie anyway. We 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 overlook those inconsistencies. But who was it? There was a. I, and I just heard this recently. Uh, it might have been on a, on a podcast I was listening to, but uh, I I think Seth Rogen was talking about a producer who said like, "There's there's cool." And there's logical and cool wins every time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. <laughs> this was cool. There's a yeah, lot of exactly. cool moments here. Uh, oh, yeah. I think my my favorite scene, favorite favorite, mm-hmm. is when uh, Kobao is killed and she's like dying in his mm-hmm. arms. Mm-hmm. You know, and that right there, and you actually see the emotion. Yeah, it's it's always it gets me every time. Mm-hmm. Even as a kid, it got me. I was like, Oh, oh yeah, man. oh yeah. Yeah, it's funny because so, yeah, because when I rewatched it a couple of years ago, I had not seen it in a long time, so I forgot. Like, they just had this like intimate moment of like mm-hmm. him sharing and her sharing, and like take me to America, and it's like yeah. now as you're older, you're like somebody's about to, you know, like you, it's all the setup. You're about to die. You're not gonna make it. But <laughs> That's right. Literally get shot like thirty seconds later. I'm like, come on, guys, can you give him a little bit of time? Like, <laughs> you have to kill her right now. And I was. When I watched it, you know, a couple of years ago, I was actually mad. I was like, "No, not right now. This is too early, <laughs> too early." But now that we know. know what we know about movies, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, she's gonna die. Yeah, yeah. Now take me to America. I'll take you. You're about to Boom. die. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Boom goes the dynamite. Dunzo, you're donezo. Yeah. <laughs> well. yeah, that that one to me, it's it's uh, so emotional and and you just feel so bad and mm-hmm. it, it almost feels like he's about to be happy for the first time. Yeah, like, yeah, ever. Yeah. Yeah. And and then she yeah, she gets killed just like oof. Yeah. That's one thing the director said about this one. He said he feels like and we've kind of mentioned that too that this film of course up to that point, but there's only one before that, but like this is the most vulnerable we ever see him and he said that mm-hmm. Salone actually put the love story in there for that purpose to to once again make him still be somewhat human. Like not, he's not right. just this killing machine with no emotion, you know, there you know, he wants to have you know, happiness and be connected with right. someone. So typical movie, it's a little fast of a romance. Like, you know, they're, yeah, they're fall in love yeah. in 30 seconds and, <laughs> you know, destined to be, be, to be together. But, um, but yeah, it, but it's, it's still, it's still a good scene and it's later in my trivia, but I mentioned it now, but you know, that scene had to be re-edited. Have you heard the oh, story? No, I haven't heard the story. No. So as she died in his arms after the ambush, there was supposed to be a triple zoom in, while Sylvester Stallone screams, no, which echoed three times during a test screening, the audiences actually started laughing and the editor <laughs> said, we got to take that part out. See, someone should have told that to George Lucas in, uh, <laughs> from Revenge of the Sith because that right. no, the Darth Vader. Right. It's so bad. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So it- so. George, you know, they tried this in Rambo 2. It, it didn't, didn't work. work in that one either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, so so I'm, I'm glad they took that scene i'm glad they took that part out so you know did, yeah. didn't, didn't need that uh but they did leave the screaming him screaming as he's blowing up all the villages in the helicopter at the end he's, you know he turns his head which you, you gotta have i mean yeah it's not a rocky movie uh, rocky excuse me, it's not a rambo movie with, without it's not a stallone movie it's not a stallone there you go without some sort of screaming yeah <laughs> which of course that takes me to you talk about v uh was a uhf when they do the yeah, parody and, yeah, and Weird Al, Al yeah. is all buffed, he's like, "Ooh, yeah." So <laughs> that's a, uh, that's another great. I love Weird Al. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Haven't done UHF yet. I know uh, Nicholas is like, whenever you do it, I'm ready. He's a big Weird Al fan. Like, I'm gonna get to it. I promise. So <laughs> there's so many good ones. It's oh, yeah. hard to like narrow it down. 
All right, so any any other scenes you want to want to talk about? I mean, th- those are I think we've mentioned most of the ones mm-hmm. that I really love. The, the biggies, iconic, yeah. the iconic ones are my favorites, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from, of course, the um, Co's death. Mm-hmm. But you know, when uh, Troutman is is like protesting, mm-hmm. they're they're literally going to pick up Rambo and yeah. he's got a POW oh, yeah, yeah. with him. You know, mm-hmm. he actually saved someone, and mm-hmm. then it turns out that you know they didn't. Ex- they really weren't supposed to save anyone. Right, right. And so. You know, and so Troutman's like, he's like, you turn this around now. And then they pull mm-hmm. a gun on him. I mean, yeah, that kind of thing. And you can just see and Richard Crenn is such a fantastic actor. actor. Yeah. You can see like the just the frustration and despair mm-hmm. and sorrow in his face. I mean, it's yeah, he really he nails it and the mm-hmm. helplessness. And it's just like, oh, yeah, that, that yeah. part gets me because Stallone is just like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, come on. I'm yeah. We're, don't leave. Don't leave. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. And I want to go back to uh, go back to mm-hmm. Kobe because I like that she is a good fighter as well. Like she was not the right. damsel in the distress in this movie, which I really appreciated watching at this time. Like when she comes to rescue him, like she's rescuing Rambo like that. You know, you think about him being the one, but like he's chained to the electric bed. Or you know, <laughs> if you want to call that. Uh, that's, <laughs> well, that's great. Whatever. That's a whole nother movie right <laughs> yeah, there. Like just, might have might have <laughs> saw that on a, on a on a VHS somewhere in my youth. I'm not sure, but uh, but yeah. So but uh, yeah. but yeah. But like she's the one that comes. You know, mm-hmm. she she uh, dresses up like one of the one of the prostitutes and you know comes to infiltrate the camp and then she seeks him out and you know basically you know helps him escape. Right. Um, so. I think once again, I think why I probably was most upset that she died. I was like, no, she was, you know, she was, she capable. was, a, she was yeah. capable, you know, she was going to help you, you know, uh, accomplish this mission. So, which another, you know, into the end where he's getting Murdoch mission accomplished. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Man. And you know, as a kid, you like, well, well, you didn't want him to like do it, but uh, right, there's right. a little part of you that kind of wanted him to do it. Well, you're you like, know? is he going to do it? Is he really going to do it? Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, but, it's like, or at least like, rough him up a little more. Or yeah, yeah. You say some uh, kind of fi- a fist fight or something like hand to hand combat. So, which right. this one really didn't have. Mm-mm. There really was no real fight scene. I mean, he just kind of shoots or blows everybody up. I think. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I just but, realized that. Yeah, and I, I guess because Stallone, he can box. You know, we yeah. see him in Rocky, but yeah. like we, he's not really known for like fighting per se, yeah. except boxing. So I get it. But on the other hand, in First Blood, you see him do all these, you know, one on one hunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's essentially hunting these people that are right, trying to find right, him. Right. So it, yeah. that part was a little bit of a letdown. On the other hand, the explosions kind of make up for it. <laughs> yeah. So I, said, I think he does have one little hand to hand when he's fighting the Russian goon when right. he gets off the bed. Like he's there's a little bit of fist fight, a little bit of hand to hand combat there, but it's not very long. So yeah. no. And now these messages. Now playing on a cell phone near you. A show for all the manly men out there. Where guys talk about their favorite movies and what they can teach us about being a man. Featuring the coolest guests. Murder somebody is not like killing an ant. The most gratifying laughs. It's Tombstone, what can I say? (laughs) (laughs) And a fresh take on movies like you've never heard before. This will be the thing that gets written on his proverbial tombstone. We aren't here to criticize the movies you love, but to praise them for how they apply to our lives as husbands, fathers, and really all men in general. So buckle up your seatbelts, because Manly Movies is here. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or your other favorite podcast catcher. And remember, man up.
<sighs> what seems to be the problem, pal? There's just so much pain in the world, so many issues. I don't think I can bear it. Well, friendo, it sounds like you could use a dose of pop culture roulette. Pop culture roulette? What's that? Some sort of pop culture themed podcast or something? That's right, sonny boy. When hope seems far, dive into some PCR. But I already get my entertainment news from Variety. Huh, that's pretty good. If you're a chucklehead, PCR gives you news you need, condensed, unfiltered, and raw, from three nerds who know a little something about something. Wow, okay, sign me up. That's the spirit. Pop Culture Roulette. New episodes every Monday, available on all major podcast directories. All right, let's hit a couple of trivia things may make us think of some other uh, scenes along the way. But you had mentioned it earlier, and I was going to read this as well. But it it may seem rather far-fetched, but the plot of the movie is surprisingly familiar to a real-life rescue attempt undertaken during the 80s when U.S. commandos underwent preparations to rescue POWs they suspected were being held in Southeast Asia. The mission was eventually abandoned when Vietnam veteran Colonel Bo Gritz started planning his own solo rescue raid with a later with a later government inquiry concluding that the whole thing was in fact an attempt to defraud families of missing service personnel despite there being an estimated two and a half thousand Vietnam vets still missing in action at the time of the film shoot. So Dang. it's yeah, it's crazy um, that that was that there were still POWs over there. And unfortunately we see that even today where someone takes advantage of people's desperation and wants to make mm-hmm. money out of it. It's crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the first movie, I, I'm, I definitely rec- recognize this watching it again. In the in the first movie, Rambo suffers from PTSD, which triggers painful memories of the Vietnam War when he's mm-hmm. arrested and abused by police deputies. But when he returns to Vietnam for this mission, he does not have any flashbacks of the war, which I thought was interesting. I would have thought they would have had at least one or two in the torture scene. Mm-hmm. Maybe would have added some of that in to at least help tie it to the first movie. But, you know. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess because now he's in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't he say something like to win a war, you have to become war or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, that maybe that's why maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe it's just to familiar surroundings kind of mm-hmm. eases. It, it almost seems like he's more at home in the jungle than mm-hmm. anywhere else. So. Yeah. Well, I think different, different directors, different visions, but you know, right. like there's, they're not tying it as, they weren't thinking of tying the things together as closely as we do now with our you know franchises now where they well right. they try to I can't say they're all successful but they try to <laughs> we won't get into that conversation no 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 so I like Although this I, I know that this Wait. was the only one uh to be nominated for an Academy Award yes yes uh for sound editing sound editing yep and it lost to Back to the Future oh nice I know it won like four Razzies though yes <laughs> <laughs> it was like. I think worst movie, worst actor, worst director, Probably. maybe a worst screenplay, something like that. It something was, like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it was a and worst song is what it was. Yeah, I can I yeah. I'm gonna mention the song here in a minute, but yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> uh, it's not my favorite. Uh, Frank Stallone is <laughs> yeah. he's written better ones. He's he's had better. So we talked about the rocket launcher at the end, uh through at the helicopter. So mm-hmm. that was actually an, a reshoot. So the ending in which Rambo dispatches Podoski with a rocket launcher was a reshoot that that accounts for the windscreen of Rambo's helicopter initially having a hole in it, yet it's intact for the rest of the journey back to the base. The original sequence just involved Rambo shooting down the helicopter, but test audiences said that it wasn't dramatic enough. 
which mm. I thought was great. It's like, no, nah, we don't want to shoot it out. We want to see them blow it up. It's like we've already seen, <laughs> seen it blow up the helicopter. So it is. A, I mean, it is a cool scene. Like you know, he's he, the the helicopter's lowering down. He thinks Rambo's knocked out. That you know, the 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 chopper is down. He's not going to move. It's still yeah, a little, he totally fakes him out. It's yeah. a little over the back. It's like, okay, you could have shot him like sixteen times by the time you get close enough, and then all of a sudden he just jumps up with the rocket launcher and shoots it out the perfectly placed hole right in the glass. So, uh, but anyway, well, he's Rambo, dude. He's Rambo, mean, of yeah. course, of course, he's gonna hit. He probably it perfectly. He, probably, he made the hole before he got there to see him, so that's fine. Was there? There's a, a one of the cartoons. Uh, it's where Savage like kidnaps Santa Claus. You know, oh, okay. Savage is like the the villainous yeah. organization, right? And uh, and it's not really Santa Claus; it's like a, a scientist. Anyway, whatever. The <laughs> the whole thing is that it's like in the in the snow, it's like freezing. There's like a big snowstorm, and Rambo's there, of course, without his shirt. You know, doing all the action. It's like this guy would be so cold. Hypothermia yeah. would be, <laughs> at some point, you know, like or or he mm-hmm. his limbs his digits would start to uh, blacken. It's just mm-hmm. it was so funny, but. That guy that can survive in the snow with with no shirt on is the same guy that can do the uh, the rocket launcher through the window. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So yes, you mentioned the song. So the main the film's main song, "Peace in Our Life," was sung by Sylvester Stallone's brother, the singer songwriter Frank Stallone, who also performed tracks on both Rocky and Rocky Two. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, when that song first started, I was like, I, I was like, is that Frank Stallone? I was like, who is that? I was like, I it's like, but I. I couldn't listen to the whole thing, but I listened to most of it. But it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty he's, bad. He's had better ones. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so there's some alternate versions of the movie, which are basically television edits. So there's uh, four main changes for the TV version. There's a longer scene of Rambo parachuting into the jungle after he cuts himself loose from the airplane, which was another great scene, by the way. I love that mm. scene when he's trying to get out and, He's stuck and he's he has stuck. a cut, cut yeah. away. It was cut for the theatrical version and cannot be found in any of the early DVD releases, but it's uh, been seen in current Blu-ray versions. So okay. they, they eventually nice. put that back in. And then in the TV version, the pirate boat waves a flag to signal another boat. So it kind of gave you a little bit of a heads up that they were going to be ambushed by the other mm-hmm. boat in that scene. That's cool. Uh, there's an alternate take of Rambo spitting on the ground instead of saying the F word to Podofsky during the torture scene. So I was like, I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, Which makes sense. That's yeah, the, you, you know, yeah, you're you not going to put that on there. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, same sentiment, just uh, cleaner exactly. for all these. Right. right. Uh, after Rambo agrees to make the radio call, there's an added scene of Podofsky repeating his directions to Rambo of what to say on the radio. So pretty you know, easy scenes to cut, but they mm-hmm. probably just for time, they put them in there. I thought yeah, this was, you got to pet it out. Yeah. 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 I thought this was great. And I tried to find this on YouTube and I think I've, I think I found it, even though it wasn't what I thought it was, but in an unusual move for the time, a teaser trailer for Rambo first blood part two, which was then known as first blood part two, the mission was released in 3000 theaters during the summer of 84, more than a year before its scheduled release date when it was originally scheduled to come out in August of 85, and several months before completion of any footage of the film. Producer Mario Kazar orchestrated this strategy to capitalize on the success of the first film. The movie was also promoted through merchandising with Rambo posters selling rapidly. Despite being rated R and aimed at adults, there were tie-in toys still created for the film, which of course we talked about. I had a Rambo action mm-hmm. figure. I did I too. To, you did. And I, yeah. I watched the cartoon. So, yeah. But yeah, but I did find like there, there is a teaser trailer and it's basically like 
the scenes of not the same ones from the movie, but of Stallone, like tying up his shoe and you see his arms and grabbing his gun and putting the knife. It's all just like those kind of close ups. And then it shows Rambo's face and, you know, Rambo is back. And so, but it just comes up as first blood, you know, it says he's back as Rambo and it comes with a Rambo and says first blood part two. So it doesn't say first blood part two, the mission. It just has, but it didn't really say that was the name of the movie. So anyway, it's, it's, it was interesting. I did find that my last trivia thing. So when Cameron was making his early treatment of first blood part two, the mission, it was seen by many in Hollywood, including producers Golan and Globus of Canon Films. <laughs> because of the gap between Cameron's script being written and the film being made, Canon Films were able to rush into production their ripoff, Chuck Norris's movie Missing in Action, and mm-hmm. they actually managed to make it to screens in November of 84, six months before Rambo First Blood Part II. <laughs> That's another classic, you mm-hmm. know, Missing in Action. Yeah. And all those Canon Films are... Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, there's a, there was a few times it's like, I feel like I've seen this before. It's like, oh, because I've seen Mission and Missing in Action as well. So like, yeah, there's probably yeah. some scenes that kind of blend blend together. They're known for their like, mm-hmm. you know, run and gun kind of oh, filmmaking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on the cheap. I could yeah. I could almost do my own podcast just on Canon Just films. on Canon. I know. Yeah, those guys. They're crazy. But it's a lot of fun. All right. Let's talk about box office and wrap this one up. So. Rambo First Blood Part 2 opened in the United States on Wednesday, May 22nd, 1985 to get a jump on Memorial Day weekend in a then record 2,074 theaters, becoming the first film to to be released in over 2,000 theaters in the United States and was the number one film that weekend, grossing $20.2 million. The only other new release in the top 10 that week was Brewster's Millions, which debuted at number 10. (laughs) little counter programming there you either see rambo or brewster's Brewster's yeah it makes sense especially if you're a studio you don't want to release like a huge tentpole the Mm -hmm. same weekend as another yeah yeah so critical reception rotten tomatoes has it 33 percent on tomato meter with a 60 percent audience score imdb has it six out of (laughs) 6.5 out of 10 with viewers and 47 on metacritic so uh six or 60 good spot for you or would you bump it up a little bit higher i'd probably bump it up a little higher i mean yeah. i know what I, it is what it is but mm-hmm. like it kind of leans into it a little um not ironically just uh, authentically you know mm-hmm. and, and so i think there's an earnestness to it that yeah uh, yeah for me makes it a little bit i don't know i i regard it a little bit higher so oh yeah i mean i yeah i'd, I'd probably give it like a 77 seven mm-hmm. and a half something like that yeah yeah, I'm kind of the same. I think I, I think I am to be. I might have given it an eight, but it was kind of a eight would be. Yeah, around it's, there. It's, it's kind of gracious eight, but I think it's because <laughs> yeah, it's more than nostalgia. Like I have such nostalgia for it. Right. Like it's and it's a fun watch. It's a, it's an easy watch. It's not it's not two and a half three hours long. So yeah, I can you know watch it a pretty short amount of time. And mm-hmm. there's not a convoluted story to kind of get tied up in. It's just if you just want something that's just a fun action movie that you can enjoy, then it it fits the bill. So. Uh, so yeah, but I think seventies is probably pretty, probably more accurate. Um, but I had other stuff in that same range. I was like, nah, I don't like those as much as this yeah, one. <laughs> yeah. It, it all depends. Yeah, on, on what else is in there? But, but I mean, it's it's cool. It's mm-hmm. it's Rambo. You know, yeah. I mean, it becomes so iconic. They they talk about it in Spaceballs. You know, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> Princess Vespa and uh, the Golden Girls talked about it. Mm-hmm. Where, where they talk about I Sophia went to see it twice. You know, because. <laughs> <laughs> 
because he's got his shirt off the whole time and he's right. like a pig or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I remember that a lot. <laughs> so, I mean, like, it's because of this movie that Rambo is what he is. Oh, the for first sure. one was yeah. was amazing, and mm-hmm. um, you've covered it. I covered it on my show uh, as well, you know, because there is it's set at Christmas time, but mm-hmm. like, it it kind of set the scene. But this is the one that really made Rambo like an actual pop culture thing you yeah know? yeah so when someone talks about anyone that's like a one-man army they're a rambo mm-hmm, and it's because mm-hmm. of this movie here oh yeah so yeah yeah it's it's just great i love it yeah i mean i think it was even used in a couple of Schwarzenegger's movies like what are you supposed to be rambo uh you know and he even <laughs> yeah. i think he parodied it in tango and cash they asked him they asked Stallone, like what are you supposed to be rambo and then he makes a derogatory comment about rambo which was very much tongue-in-cheek because he is rambo <laughs> yeah. so uh but yeah so it it, fun, it go fun ahead. fact demolition yes. man in, yes uh, i think in kuwait i think it's called uh rambo the destroyer i believe that <laughs> so, i believe that yeah because they're trying to tie it into the to the other uh rambo movies because it's more popular that's right sure. yeah <laughs> I've seen that done a lot of a lot of movies that have no real connection, but besides the actor and they just try to link it together. So, right. Right. Awesome. All right, Jerry, man, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Yeah, it's this always is a blast to have you. So please tell everybody what's going on with Totally Rad Christmas. OK, uh, what what fun and happy and cheerful things are you talking about these days? <clears throat> yeah. So Totally Rad Christmas. Uh, we we talk about all things Christmas in the 80s, not just uh, you know, it's movies, it's TV shows, it's mm-hmm. it's toys, it's games, it's fads, foods, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it was in Christmas in the eighties. Now coming up, we've got uh, Rocky Four, like I mentioned, awesome. that should be either just have dropped or about to drop by mm-hmm. the time this airs. Um, we have uh, Heathcliff, you know, the little oh yeah yeah cat that's I like almost Heathcliff like Garfield. Cartoons, yeah, <laughs> I have my two hundredth episode, which uh, is is. Uh, it's pretty cool. I'm excited mm-hmm. for that one. Of course, Christmas in July is coming up, so I got a few other things planned that uh, I'll keep as, as a little bit of a surprise. But okay. I got a lot of uh, uh, cool stuff coming up. So we're talking about the 1986 um, Hallmark Dr- Wish Book, you know, the Dream Book mm-hmm. that, that comes out. Mm-hmm. So they're ornaments and and some things like that that are going to be a lot of fun. And I got uh, kind of off the beaten path. We have <laughs> Tron, an episode on Tron. Oh, nice as well, which is uh, one of my favorites. And yeah. And, not a Christmas movie, but there's a couple of Christmassy lines in there, so I'm going to count it because I want to talk about Tron. <laughs> there you go. When it's <laughs> you your can... when it's your podcast, you can do that's whatever right. You want. That's right. You can count whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can find me at uh, totallyradchristmas.com or on Facebook and Instagram, um, Facebook, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Rad Christmas. Uh, excuse me, uh, totally rad Christmas Twitter and and Blue Sky at Rad Christmas, and then um, I'm on Mastodon. I don't really use it that much, and I have a Facebook group, Totally Rad Christmas Mall and Arcade, mm-hmm. where you guys can uh, post anything '80s or Christmas related. So yeah, yep. very cool. Yes, if you want some Christmas joy any time of the year, you definitely want to check out uh, Totally <laughs> Rad Christmas. It's always a fun time, and he's always got great gu- guests. And I'm not just saying that because I've been one of them. He has a really good. <laughs> Uh, and hopefully you're going to be back on so we yes. can talk cobra. Yes, we've been 
this this is like the Matt Damon and Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel. It's like I'm sorry we ran out of time to to record Cobra. Uh, we've been trying to record it for almost two years now. It's like two years now. Yeah, we just it's, something happens and then yeah. I can't and then something happens yeah. and you can't it, and it, then me again and it's right. Just, yeah, we'll Scheduling. get it done. Yeah, yeah, we will get it's, it done. It will be the greatest episode we've ever done. It has, it has <laughs> to be right. at this point. We've built that's it up right. too much. We built it up too much. We might get Stallone on the episode. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it should at this point. I, I keep, you know, keep just keep your fingers crossed. You never know. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, but definitely check out Totally Rad Christmas and uh, check Jerry D out. It's always a good time having him on the show and definitely have him back again. Uh, but make sure to follow, subscribe, rate, and review uh, my show and his show. Uh, you can support this show by uh, going to buymeacoffee.com and leaving a tip or becoming a subscriber there. You can also buy a t-shirt or sweatshirt from uh, my website, uh, 80sflickflashback.com. And I know Jerry's got some t-shirts and cool ones as well on his site. So you can, or on his, where you have a site or you have. I, it's on Public, but you yeah. can link it. You can find the link on my yeah, website. Yeah, there you go. Red Christmas. Yep. So, yeah. He's got some cool merch over there. So check it out. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who loves 80s flicks. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. So that's it for this one. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Jerry D, for being a part. Always a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, I'm Tim. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, it's sir. a lot of fun. Yes, yes. I'm Tim Williams from the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Good night, good people. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.